you know what Moody's indicated in November when they changed the outlook from stable to negative is that they're monitoring issues such as the public sector wage bill and a turnaround strategy at Eskom. And it would be fair to say that government has made progress in addressing these issues. Extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures, and these are extraordinary times, and the reserve banks of the world have come up with extraordinary measures. And the South African Reserve Bank is one of those reserve banks because I think I'm right in saying that for the first time in its history, today it announced measures that can only be described as quantitative easing. With me now is Tersha Jacobs, who's a Treasury economist at Investec Corporate and Institutional Banking. It is QE, isn't it, Tersha? Hello, Lindsay. I think to, to understand what the Reserve Bank is trying to achieve through announcing our version of quantitative easing, let's see what the true QE actually means and the way that the Fed actually implemented it. So the first reason normally is to provide liquidity to the market. And secondly, with bond purchases, is to reduce interest rates and that then would force investors into a search for higher yielding assets. So the Reserve Bank is not trying to get South African investors to go into high yielding investments because, you know, when you look at the way the equity market has reacted and the, the decline in prices, that certainly is not the case. So the Reserve Bank is trying to provide liquidity to the bond market and protect the financial system. Yes, the financial system was under extreme pressure, apart from what's happening internationally, which is exerting a force on us, which we could never have predicted. We did see, I think I'm right in saying, the benchmark 10-year bond, the R186, to go from 9, 9.5% up to around about 13.5%. And bond traders that I spoke to, Tertia, said that there were so many sellers and no buyers at all. And so that liquidity was forced upon, or rather that liquidity injection by the Reserve Bank that we've seen today was forced upon the Reserve Bank, but for the right reasons, I think. Yes, perhaps we can just touch on the reasons why there was such a significant amount of bond selling in our market, which, you know, forced South African primary dealers to absorb these bonds. You know, the, the catalyst was the international demand for dollars. During times of stress, like we are experiencing now around the globe, companies and banks tend to hoard dollars to support cash flows. So investors, in order to raise dollars, liquidated emerging market equities and bonds. So in South Africa, we've seen that in March to date, non-residents turned into net sellers of South African bonds of nearly 55 billion rand. Another reason was domestic funds having to sell bonds because they had calls for collateral cash. And then the third reason is basically with the government having such a large budget deficit to fund, the, there's a, a lot of bond supply that needs to be absorbed in the market on a weekly basis. 
One of the things that has been a criticism of QE is firstly, that we don't know what QE is. I mean, how many times over the last 10, 11 years, Tertia, I can't even imagine how many times I've said, well, the market's going up because of QE, because of liquidity. Perhaps in a South African context, you could tell me exactly what QE is and how they're going about it and how it might differ, for example, from the US Federal Reserve. So in the South African context, the Reserve Bank will buy government bonds in the market from primary dealers. Payment will then be an electronic transfer from the Reserve Bank to the bank's accounts, and that is the way that liquidity in the money market is then raised. At the same time, Lindsay, because over the past two weeks, as I said, the bond market experienced such a significant amount of selling that had to be absorbed by the banks, a second buyer in the in the bond market will provide stability to the trading. In other words, there's more liquidity in the system, so there can be a viable market of buyers and sellers as opposed to a one-way ticket, which is what we've seen for the last couple of weeks. In other words, just sellers of the South African bond market. In other words, yields rising. How different is it, though, to the United States of America, where there has been accusations of the money being pumped into the system and the money not going into the system to the right places? In other words, it goes to the primary dealers from the US Federal Reserve, the primary dealers then use it for their proprietary trading activities, i.e. buying risky assets like equities, or even going to corporates who then buy back their stock. I, I think from what you've been saying and from what I've read, that it's completely different in South Africa. And this is what I would call responsible QE. That is correct. So in the US market, we saw that a lot of liquidity and that the Fed provided that was supposed to support the real economy through an increase in credit extension was actually directed into higher yielding bonds. So that is where the second leg of QE came in. The Fed suppresses bond market yields and then investors search for high yield yielding assets to enhance their returns. In South Africa, this is highly unlikely to happen. The Reserve Bank's measures announced today is likely to be temporary. And as we said earlier, this is to support more orderly trading in the bond market. The banks will use the additional liquidity with the operations that will ensue from supporting clients during the times of distress during the COVID-19 epidemic. Would you say that the Reserve Bank was behind the curve, so-called, Tertia, or would you say that this has been a bold move considering the conservatism that we've been used to in the past? And see, this was certainly a bold move by the Reserve Bank. You know, we started seeing strains in the local financial markets last week. So the Reserve Bank announced the 100 basis point rate cut at last Thursday's um, MPC meeting, which was followed by an extension of its current monetary operations on Friday. However, you know, as the sell-off in the bond market deepened and the weekly bond auction saw yields cleared like 25 basis points above the market rates, that I think was the factor that persuaded the, the Reserve Bank to act more boldly. So perhaps the point then is, you know, if they refrain from these actions, it could have impacted, you know, bank clients' 
later on more deeply as it could have resulted in the, the bank's cost of funding rising significantly. So I think this was a, pre- a preemptive action which will hopefully help to normalise the, the financial system. It certainly seems to have done so in the short term because the yield on the 10-year has gone from you know, close to 13.50 down to close to 11.50. So well done to the South African Reserve Bank. Will the rating agency Moody's feel the same way as uh, you and I do at the moment? Do you think that on Friday afternoon, after the market has closed, they will give us the thumbs up? And will they give us a thumbs up because of South African domestic policy? Or will it just be because everyone else is in the same boat? In other words, under enormous pressure? Lindsay, there's been an interesting development with the managers of the Global Bond Index announcing that any country that falls out of the Global Bond Index, in this case, if South Africa is downgraded on Friday evening by Moody's, the investors that hold the bonds will not be forced to reweight their bond portfolios by the end of March. So that's one of the reasons why we originally thought that Moody's may not react as early as Friday because it could have added to the strain in our financial market. So with that out of the way, I think it's still going to be a very challenging decision. Yes, one can reason that South Africa's macro fundamentals are going to deteriorate and the government's debt-to-GDP trajectory is going to increase fairly sharply over the next two years because of, you know, a large shortfall in revenue as GDP slows down. On the other hand, you know, what Moody's also indicated in November when they changed the outlook from stable to negative is that they're monitoring issues such as the public sector wage bill and um, a turnaround strategy at Eskom. And it would be fair to say that government has made progress in addressing these issues. So, you know, from where we sit, we think Moody's can afford to give us a few more months. The next rating decision would be in November. But on the other hand, you know, the impact of the COVID crisis on South Africa, as in the rest of the world, is going to be very severe and will have a major impact on growth and, as I said, the government's budget deficits. So the risk of a downgrade is there, and I think we can argue it for both sides. Tisha, thank you very much for your analysis. Let's hope Moody's was listening. That was Tersha Jacobs, who is a Treasury economist at Investec Corporate and Institutional Banking. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendation. Investec Specialist Bank, a division of Investec Bank Limited, is a registered credit provider.